What is up, y'all? Welcome to Culture. That's Chicago's very own Ganser with Yuo. One of my favorite bands in all of the lands. I am Leslie the Third. Welcome to Culture. Just wanted to do a quick episode about a hot topic. Seemed very interesting to me. Didn't think, didn't know if I get a chance to cover it properly on Struggle Session or any place else. But I wanted to talk about it because it's on a beat that I usually cover, and that is, of course, the ongoing disintegration of the once great film studio Warner Brothers. Folks, if you've been following Culture or, or, or Struggle Session, which you can listen to at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.show, you can grab those bonus episodes, including the episode where we talked about uh, the hit piece on Zack Snyder. We did an episode on, of course, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Joss Whedon's uh, entry into Warner Brothers and his attempt Attempts at brand rehabilitation a few months ago. We got it all in the archive over there. I've been thinking about it's probably past time that somebody does like a prestige podcast about the past few years at Warner Brothers. All the changes in leadership, all the changes in creative vision, all the accusations and allegations. I mean, the Ezra Miller stuff alone, that's ongoing. Like, what the hell are they going to do with this Flash movie? I mean, the fact that that movie was a, started off as supposed to be like a solo Flash movie, where the Flash is taking on, I don't know, Mirror Master, Captain Cold, what have you. It's just like a little tie-in, a little fun little tie-in to the Justice League universe that was supposed to be have finished by now i think justice league 3 was already supposed to be out now we probably should be on flash 2 or 3 now if things had gone according to the original plan but we have this flash movie and it ties into our topic today of black bad girl because the flash movie which is already a massive problem 200 something million dollars lots of reshoots one of the things the Flash movie was supposed to do, and we still don't know the reason exactly why this was happening, it was supposed to switch the Batman of the mainline DC movie universe, as opposed to the universe that the Batman exists in, the Batman with Robert Pattinson, golf Batman, and the Joker exists in. You know, this is the one with the Justice League. Harley Quinn, Jared Leto Joker, as opposed to the two other ones with Jokers as well. So this is a different... So in the mainline DCEU, Batman, not Robert Pattinson Batman, but Ben Affleck Batman, was supposed to be replaced with Michael Keaton Batman for some reason. Some sort of multiverse shenanigans. I... I, well, I'm, when I say I don't know the reason for it, I, I don't know the behind-the-scenes reason either, because Michael Keaton's old, right? Like, Michael Keaton's old. Those movies are old. I don't know if there was a big clamor for a throwback to the Michael Keaton days of Batman. And, and they already had tried... Warner Brothers had tried this sort of thing before when they brought back... Essentially tried to bring back Christopher Reeve's Superman with Superman Returns. 
that was meant to be like a a straightforward sequel to that era, that version of Superman. And it didn't quite work out. So I'm not sure why we needed another Michael Keaton Batman or who wanted that. I mean, it was a big movie at the time, but I don't feel like it's one that looms heavy in the public consciousness, really, especially after the Dark Knight trilogy kind of took over uh, our imaginations as the version of cinema Batman. Of course, before it was replaced by Ben Affleck's um, perfection of Batman and Batfleck. Obviously, there's lots of Batman, okay? And for some reason, they wanted to... Warner Brothers decided with the departure of Snyder, the end of the Snyderverse, what have you, that they were going to bring back Michael Keaton for some reason in the Flash movie. In the end of the Flash movie, we we're going to have Michael Keaton as Batman. There's going to be, I think, a Supergirl, and I think she was going to be black. No more Henry Cavill Superman. They're finally getting rid of him. Finally, they've been trying to get rid of him for, for, as we learned recently, they've been trying to get rid of him for years. They just don't want Henry Cavill around for some reason. Warner Brothers, that is. Discovery, which now owns Warner Brothers, have slightly different opinions, as we're learning, about the direction of uh, the DCEU, or whatever you call it. And so The Flash was supposed to reset the universe and you have Michael Keaton Batman as the Batman on screens now. Kind of odd, really, for Michael Keaton to do this, right? Because he made Birdman. <laughs> he made a movie about not becoming the guy that he is becoming in real life. And it's not like <laughs> it's not like they came at the same time. Like he had time to consider it. Birdman was out for years. He had done it. At times, stew on it, and then Warner Brother calls him up and says, "Hey, you want to be Batman again?" He says, "Yes," not just to the Flash, but also to Batgirl, which was supposed to feature him prominently for some reason. Even though he's very, very old to be like legitimately p playing Batman, you know, a cameo in the Flash. I get it. I understand it. That makes sense. That makes sense, a cameo in the Flash, some kind of cute peek into the multiverse. I don't know, could you have gotten maybe a peek into the George Clooney Batman universe? I guess technically they're the same one. I guess they're meant to be the same one. Maybe you get a peek into the, I don't know, the Nolan Batman-verse. Birdgrave mentioning Bruce Wayne and Batman Beyond, maybe, yeah. I'd feel like... When this was initially announced, I thought it was going to be Bruce, a kind of Bruce Wayne from Batman Beyond thing. And that's, that's something that's actually been rumored about Michael Keaton for like decades at this point, that he was eventually going to come back and play an older version of Bruce Wayne in the Batman Beyond movie. I don't know if that any of that stuff was ever real or just, you know, fan booking. But I could see that, but it feels like his role is meant to be like a little bit bigger than just a mentor, at least in The Flash. Batgirl, I think he is supposed to be more of a mentor figure. And he's also working... Oracle is supposed to be in as well, I believe. I I, I read this. It, 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 there's Batgirl and Oracle in this. I digress. But, yes, I am taking calls, Hansi. Taking calls about whatever you like. Just was talking about this cancellation of this Batgirl movie, which has been filmed in post-production. They already spent 70 to $90 million dollars on it, depending on who you ask. 
Now, of course, post-production doesn't mean what it used to mean. Post-production doesn't mean that they weren't going to do extensive reshoots for one reason or another to bring the movie in line with their new vision of the universe, perhaps an Ezra Miller-less universe. They've had to do, Warner Brothers had to do this a couple of times, this sort of thing. So, but after spending the $70 million, the boss is over at Discovery, who've just purchased Warner Brothers and are, and are you know, checking in the shop. They, they are kicking down the doors, checking the shop, and, it's, and they're saying that the, the shop is sloppy. That you got too many projects that aren't delivering. You're spending too much money on crap. You're spending fifty million dollars on a TV show. You're spending seventy million dollars, which isn't enough on a movie, which was the problem that Bad Girl had apparently. Oh, Hansi, you're having trouble calling. Let me see. Let me double check that calls are open. Yes, calls should be open. Try it again if you're having a, a problem calling in. But yeah, so. The word on the street is that, well, first of all, the Batman movie, it is in post, Batgirl movie, is in post-production. Had Michael Keaton, had uh, Brendan Fraser as Firefly. I was actually kind of excited to see that. I was actually kind of excited to see um, Brendan Fraser in this. So, this movie is made, and apparently what I'm hearing is it tested terribly. That people did not like this movie. Did not think it was good. A few weeks ago. uh, Strangely they dropped. The picture. Of the lead actress. In the Batgirl uh, costume. Leslie Grace. And it does not look good. It really doesn't. It doesn't look good. It looks closer to what you expect. A costume on a CW show. Would look. It's not awful. It's not the worst thing you'll see. But definitely did not look feature filmish. And that was a problem. I think, I, well, not a problem, I should say. It was a recurring theme when people were talking about this movie and how it was going to be released. They didn't know if it was going to be a TV show. They didn't know if it was going to be a streaming show. They didn't know if it was going to be a movie. They were just filming it. They were just getting J.K. Simmons. Who was playing Commissioner Gordon. Yes, J. King Simmons from uh, the Snyder Cut. And Michael Keaton. Out of bed. For this movie. That they didn't know if it was a movie or not. They didn't know They didn't know what it was. And I guess. If something could be either a TV show. A streaming series or a movie. Uh, you're probably going to be able to tell pretty easily. It doesn't look like a movie. Even if you, they spent 70 million dollars on this. What I'm seeing doesn't quite look like a movie. It looks, it really kind of looks like the old Birds of Prey TV show that was on the WB, WB back in the day. So, Discovery, looking at this, looking at this movie that the fan, that people don't like, that costs a bunch of money but still looks cheap, doesn't really look like a movie. They're saying, well, if we can't put this out in theaters and charge money for it, and it's not really going to bring anything to HBO Max. It's not going to bring people to HBO Max. And there's some kind of news around HBO Max that we can talk about. Rumors, I should say. They've decided to just not put it out at all. To just kill the project 
in post-production a $70 million movie. Can you imagine? Can you imagine $70 million on a movie that they're just not going to put out? It's not, it's not like a pilot, right? Like you can look up the pictures of um, the pilot for the Wonder Woman TV show that NBC was going to do in the OOs. You know, I think, uh, what's his face? I think Pedro Pascal actually was in it as Steve Trevor. Oh, sorry about that disconnect. But yeah, Pedro Pascal was actually in the pilot for the canceled Wonder Woman TV show. Now, maybe they spent 500k, a million dollars on that pilot. They spent $70 million on a Batgirl pilot. I guess I can call it, you can technically call it a pilot because they couldn't, they never really decided if it was a TV show, a movie, or a streaming series. So I guess pilot is a, as good a description as anything. If, if it, actually by calling it a movie, we're kind of letting the people who made the decision kind of off the hook. We're kind of doing work that they actually did not do like for them. They like they didn't decide if it was a movie or not um, until uh, maybe until late in the game. Originally, it was there was a, a bit of confusion about how this was going to come out, how it was going to be released. Even after HBO had stopped doing the thing where they were releasing every Warner Brothers movie on HBO Max during the pandemic. Even after that was stopped, there was still speculation that, oh, Batgirl is going to be on HBO Max, which, you know, just didn't make any sense. But they've just decided, Discovery has decided that it's not even worth putting out. They're just going to cancel it. And I'm trying to think, callers, maybe you can tell me, maybe you can tell me in the chat, is, is this the biggest movie that's been straight up canceled? Is this the biggest movie, $70 million, this is the biggest movie... That's been canceled. Now, you know, we might have to might have to define canceled in a certain sense. Because I know that there's movies that have been filmed and in the can and for one reason or the other aren't released. Maybe by the artist's choice. I know I think there was a Jerry Lee Lewis movie that he didn't want to put out. But for the studio to have the movie in their hand, finished, done, read to go. To cancel it then, that just amazes me. Warner Brothers, somebody, I, I say all the time, they're like the WWE of film studios. They can't do right. I mean, it's worth looking back. This whole Batgirl project, can't even call it a movie. The project, the impending exploitation of the Batgirl IP started... Of course, as a Joss Whedon project, they were going to let Joss direct Batgirl, which is, of course, was his dream, it was his longtime dream to do a Batgirl movie. But, but, see, he he kind of fucked himself over. He, in his hubris, Whedon, in all of his hubris, decides that you know Mar Marvel kicks his ass to the curb for one reason or another. They kick Whedon's ass to the curve. And he comes over and starts glomming on to Justice League while Zack Snyder is editing it in post. And this 
fucking guy, this worm Joss Whedon, straight up was working on this film in secret, working on his own cut of Zack Snyder's film in secret, while Zack Snyder is trying to finish the film properly. And of course, tragedy strikes the Snyder family, and the gutless worm Joss Whedon is there for the studio uh, to sub in as director to ruin the movie with 40 to $50 million of reshoots. But we've talked about that before, the abuse to the staff while he was doing those reshoots. But the hubris of Joss Whedon, because he does this Justice League thing, which he probably doesn't really give a shit about. But because he's so shitty to the staff on there, uh, while he's doing Justice League, he ends up losing Bad Girl, which which is probably the thing he really wanted to do, which is the real reason he came over to Warner Brothers. You know, he likes, you know, him a manic pixie uh, superhero girl, and that was going to be his, and that was Bad Girl for him. But he quietly departed um, from the project claiming that he just didn't have a story to tell with Batgirl. He just didn't have a story to tell. He withdrew in 2018 just because he he didn't have anything to say about Batgirl. It's not like this guy has spent his entire life writing Batgirl-like stories in different mediums. He just couldn't he couldn't figure it out. Couldn't, couldn't figure it out. I would speculate that it had something to do with the fallout from his behavior on Justice League that cost him the Batgirl movie. I don't think anybody will ever admit it in public, including the ones who you know had to take it away from him. Probably they they might be the last to admit it. But I'm just spitballing here. It seems like a like an odd coincidence. He and and yet also he was um, ended off off his Nevers project as well. Also kind of quietly exited, exited that as well. But Batgirl, they shot it eventually. I, I think the script bounced around. And again, they couldn't figure out if it was going to be a movie or a TV show once Whedon left the project. But whatever they had left was apparently not very good. Even with the cameos of Michael Keaton, even with J.K. Simmons. It's kind of surprising to me that J.K. Simmons was in this and it tested that poorly. Like two, like Michael Keaton and J.K. Simmons and Brendan Fraser. Those are pretty likable guys. I feel like they all have pretty high Q scores. I feel like those are three guys that always have a pretty good Q score going. It was directed by the filmmakers of Bad Boys for Life and Miss Marvel. Yeah, and it, when it was greenlit, it was meant to be, like in its in-between, it was meant to be a feature film for HBO Max. So like kind of a TV movie, but they spent $70 million, $75 million on it. And in post-production, it got to $90 million. In part due to COVID and delays and all that good stuff. And once they get it to the audiences, they hate it. Even with the cameos. 
even with this premiere of this character that people have been begging, well, a loud portion of the internet, I should say, has been begging to get on screen. I don't know how popular Batgirl is in, like, reality. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Batgirl, there were a few loud Barbara Gordon voices who really wanted Batgirl to come back. I grew up, when I grew up, she was Oracle. And I liked Oracle. I thought it was a great character. Not a lot of characters with disabilities in comics. I thought it was cool, but for some reason, it was stuck in people's crawl that Batgirl wasn't exactly like she was in the 60s show. Because there was another Batgirl at the time. There was another Batgirl. She just wasn't uh, uh, white and with red hair. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Want, I would hate to speculate behind those motives why people were so passionate about bringing back uh, Barbara Gordon and making sure she was not um, in their wheelchair, as they would say. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a great character. Oracle was a great character, but a few years ago, they bring back Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. She's back, and with this movie, <laughs> they actually decided to make Barbara Gordon black. Which I I knew I, I'm I'm actually sad that the movie isn't, isn't coming out now, because I knew there would be a little bit of a problem there, with the fact that oh we're finally getting Barbara Gordon back like she was in the '60s show, but now she's black. I knew people would maybe be kind of weird about that. I thought we would get some good posts out of it, but the movie's not coming out at all. Ninety million dollars they spent on this. And they don't put it out. Why you think? Any, anybody got any speculations? Discovery, from what Discovery says, is just because it wasn't good enough. wasn't up to snuff. I don't know how quite, how quite true that could be. But I don't know. It depends on how they see what HBO Max is supposed to be. But here's the thing. The rumors are that HBO Max may be going away and it will actually be folded into the Discovery app. So yes, the app that your 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 auntie and your mom's have to watch true crime and house flipping shows, that's going to eat the hip cool HBO Max app. You're going to be watching it's going to be like Property Brother Brothers in like one vertical and then like Game of Thrones and Girls and all that stuff in another. It's going to be all the true crime and then like a small little corner will be HBO that you have to <laughs> click into. Like the first five pages will be true crime, uh, ancient aliens, house flipping. And then you get a couple of cl- clicks and then it's like the Sopranos or whatever. But $90 million on a movie and you can't find any way to put it out. With big stars, movie stars, Michael Keaton. When has Michael Keaton? I don't even think Mike Michael Keaton. Oh, I was about to say I don't think Michael Keaton. They've gotten Michael Keaton to do TV yet, but they did get him to do TV. They got him to do Dope Sick. They got they got him, they got Michael Keaton. They already had they had already gotten Brendan Fraser, J.K. Simmons. He started on TV, so he don't count. But still, those are big names. Big start. Hey, Brendan Fraser actually not really on TV. He did Doom Patrol, but I think he only was 
only appeared as himself in one episode. He did voiceovers for the rest. So I think that still like keeps him as like a, a low, as, as a movie star, movie star. I, I think so. I feel like if you only do the, like the pilot episode, you don't lose your movie star status. Like when um, Christopher Lambert did the first episode of Highlander, right? He was still a movie star, even though he was on the TV show version of Highlander. It didn't diminish him because he was only on the, if you're on the pilot episode, pilot episodes don't count. Pilot episodes don't count. If it's a special guest appearance, like when Julia Roberts was on Law and Order because her husband was on there. And it was like a big two-part episode. They did like a mini TV movie about it. That doesn't count either. That doesn't count. That doesn't diminish your stardom. But they've gotten Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts has done TV now. Bad Girl ain't doing anything. (laughs) Bad Girl, $90 million. And you don't... You don't even put it up on the streaming site. It costs nothing to put it up on the streaming site. But apparently it's so bad that they felt like it would just like get negative press. <laughs> that would counteract whatever money they spend on. And there's so much. They could just hide it on there. Just let the fans see it, for God's sakes. But man, Discovery, they're brutal. They do not. They're, they're cutting a lot. They're cutting... They're folk. They're cutting the live action department. HBO Max. They're cutting the cartoons. They're cutting the children's shows. They're cutting, cutting, cutting. And a lot of people in Hollywood talking about the simple fact is that it's very hard to find work now because all of these, like the this business model that changed suddenly overnight, was thrown for a loop by, by the streaming. It was it, it streaming changed the industry. They hadn't quite figured it out, and then COVID hits. And the bottom drops out of everything. And now you can spend $90 million making a movie and it won't even come out. Folks, Hollywood is wild. Wild, folks. One thing I want to talk about, and feel free to call in if you got a comment, if you got a question. One thing I want to talk about briefly, the ongoing investigation into the McMahon crime family. Triple H. Triple H. Daddy Triple H. Zaddy Triple H that everybody loves. He did an interview with Logan Paul today. <laughs> Got up there on the Logan Paul show, which is called Impulsive. And he showed kind of the direction that the company is going to be going in in the future. Kind of a say hello to the new boss, same as the old boss sort of thing. Except he actually kind of tried to make it clear that he was not the boss. He's like, no, no, no. It's going to take a bunch of people to replace Vince. It's going to be me. Is everybody's good. No, it's, it's not just me. I think when you're taking over for a company that's currently under federal investigation, yeah, you probably want to be careful about not taking full credit for everything that's going on in the company uh, while that's uh, while the investigation is pending. Probably a smart move by Paul. But here's a clip where Triple H talks about wrestling and Vince's legacy. Without him, there's none of this, right? Like the vision to take it from this tiny little thing happening in bars and 
to this the, to this this big to global sensation like nothing else without him there's none of this so that's him saying how well vince you know wrestling would not exist it would only taking place in smoky bars folks this is like word for word word for word word for word a quote from vince this is one of his favorite lines one of his favorite lies that without this big man wrestling was just taking place in bingo halls now you may remember that was the lie that they told about ecw and independent wrestling for years recently but vince has the higher level lie which is that all of wrestling was nothing but smoky rooms and bars not even bingo halls we've we've gotten down to bars now wrestling just took place in bars now for Vince McMahon came along and cleaned up the joint. And Triple H is telling the same bullshit story as well that the media falls for. They're obviously, Logan Paul falls for because he doesn't know anything about anything. He's never going <laughs> to look this up. He works for WWE now. I mean, it's actually wild that they don't have to address the fact that Vince McMahon was forced out because he was sexually harassing the wrestlers and I guess that just like doesn't come up like they just talk positively about Vince and nothing else they just say a couple oh he's just you know he's changed the business he's changed the sport I I would say for the worst on the most part for the worst it's not not necessarily good like like there's like just take for example pyrotechnics pyrotechnics in wrestling right why do all the companies want to use pyro because Vince uses pyro and so you had TNA, and Cornette talks about this, TNA in Universal Studios, you know, like a black box theater, setting off fireworks indoors because they think that a wrestling show has to have fireworks because Vince has fireworks and pyro on the entrances, even though it made no sense and it was just causing the crew to go deaf. I find stuff like that more <laughs> the legacy of Vince McMahon than whatever Triple H is babbling about. Triple H also tells this bizarre story, bizarre story, and where they, I'll, I'll play it, but they ask him what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to him, like in the ring, and he, just listen to the story. Like stands out to you as like the craziest moment that ever happened to you in your in your career. Dude, I made you a list, um, <laughs> but like I'll give you an example of just something that one time Rock, Kurt Angle, and myself were in a in a storyline. We're having a triple threat match at the big pay-per-view. Um, Steph's a part of that. She's in the back. We're, as a part of that match, Kurt is going to get put through a table by me. And I'm going to pedigree him through a table. He's going to get knocked out, and they're going to cart him off. Except we get up on the table. I hook Kurt's arms, and as we're about to go for the pedigree, the table breaks from underneath us. And I'm looking down to try to protect Kurt because I got his arms. And, like, I'm, you know, first rule, right? Protect your opponent. I'm trying to protect him. But we come down and I watch his head smash into a control box, oh. right? And we hit, we, yeah, it's funny, right? We hit and I go down and I hear Kurt start snoring. He's out like cold. So I put my hand on him. I go, Kurt, you okay? And he wakes up and he starts trying to get up and take a mouthpiece that he doesn't have in out of his mouth. And he's like trying to get up. So I grab him by his straps. I pull him down. I said, dude, don't move. And I hold him there. But I realize and I tell the referee, like, he's out. 
he, so they take him on a cart to the back. Which was now, supposed to happen anyways. Which was supposed to happen, <laughs> except for he's out and has no idea where he is. And we don't know if he's coming back. And the whole finish is him coming from the back with Steph and coming from the back and doing all this stuff. Now, this is where the story gets terrible because today we know about concussions yep. and right everything yep. else. None of this should have ever happened, but we didn't know this at the time. But, um, you know, Kurt goes in the back. Rock and I are just working now. Like, all, now we're off. So, as he continues the story, <laughs> so to catch you in, then the catching's up, what happened was he, first thing in the match almost, gives Kurt Angle a concussion. He gives him a concussion. Almost immediately in the match, he is legitimately carried out because he is out, does not know where he is, and trip, and they are waiting for him to come back so they can do the finish of the match. That's the new boss of the WWE, kind of joking and giggling and laughing. About this time, he gave his co-worker a massive concussion and then had him uh, come back out to finish the match. Now, he says something about, well, we didn't know about the long term. You know, we didn't know about concussions. We didn't know this, that, and the other. You may remember a few years later, WWE actually did a storyline with Randy Orton. Where he had like a concussion and CTE and long-term effects of that. And the only reason I mention that is because, you know, at a certain point they did learn about concussions. But at a certain point before 2005 they did. I think this match was like 2002 that he uh, Triple H was talking about. And so somewhere around 2005 they knew about concussions. So tell me why in 2007 Stephanie McMahon testified... As far as she knew, there were no concussions that happened in the WWE. And if you remember when Triple H was telling the story, Stephanie was there with Kurt Angle when he got the concussion. She's the one who walked the concussed Kurt Angle back out. But in 2007, she's testifying, oh no, I've never experienced been around a concussion in the WWE. Absolutely baffling stuff. Folks, Thank you so much for listening to Culture tonight. Much appreciated. I am signing off. I'm sure Katie Halper, I think she's still over there up on her stream. Have a good night, folks. Peace.